Thanks for waiting for us. Come on, day. So we come to the last verses of Matthew's gospel, the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples before his ascension to the Father. We had the resurrection story again uh, that, we, that we studied last week, and then it goes straight to this final scene, this send-out scene. Jesus' final words are to, to encourage, to strengthen, to send out his followers. Jesus spoke these words to invite people who follow him to take their place in the most extraordinary global project that has ever taken place, God's plan to spread his gospel to every corner of the globe. So it's it's my prayer for every one of us here tonight that we will hear Jesus' words and obey them. It's my prayer that all of us will increase our vision for what it is that God calls us to be part of for our role in God's global gospel project. Whether for you that's stepping out to share the gospel with one person, whether for you that's beginning to support global mission, whether for you that's to step forwards to give yourself vocationally to reaching the unreached people of this world. I pray that God would work in each of us tonight. So let's have a look at these last handful of verses of Matthew's gospel together. Verse 16, then the disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Back, back to where it all began, right? To the scrubby hills, to the rocky fields of Galilee. In verse 10, Jesus asked the women at his resurrection to go to the disciples and tell them to go to Galilee. And now we see the specific place in Galilee to which they've been sent, to this mountain. And who knows the kind of emotional state that these 11 guys were in at this point, right? Judas had died by his own, his own hand after betraying Jesus. The other 11 fled while Jesus was tortured and executed, only to hear three days later from Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that he was risen, that he was alive, and that he was coming to see them. What are they to think, right? On the one hand, if the women were lying or mistaken, then all of their worst fears are confirmed. Their spiritual leader is dead. The hopes upon which they've built their lives are are dashed. On the other hand, if what the women said is true, if he really is alive, then they stand in a unique and and history-changing moment right in front of their eyes. And so suspended there between devastation and wonder, the disciples come to the mountain. The mountain, the place throughout Matthew's gospel, which has been a place of revelation from God and communion with God himself. And there they see Jesus. When they saw him, verse 17 They worshipped him. There's surely no other response fitting for this moment, fitting for this person, is there, but worship. But even then, even in this moment, some doubted. And that that word that's translated from the Greek to doubted there is a word that is closer in meaning to hesitated than to disbelieved, right? A bit like you might doubt 
before you jump off a high cliff into a pool of water below. Even for these men who've spent the last three years of their life listening to Jesus talk, seeing him work, seeing the miracles that he's done, the reality that they see before them is just beyond understanding. But Jesus came to them on the mountain and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. We go in his authority. We go in his power. The other day, I was at a series in Brunswick. Maybe you've been there. It's, it's like a, an urban farm that's got all these kind of businesses and workshops and cafes and classes and businesses there. And there's this young guy there doing his first shift at series as I'm buying my coffee. He, he nervously navigates the till system as I step up to give him my order. Uh, like it's a really complicated order. It's, it's a, a flat white, so it should be pretty simple, but it takes him a while to figure it out. And there's a manager standing there over his shoulder, kind of watching him, helping him when he needs help to find a flat white button. Uh, and I, I make my order eventually and then stand to the side while my coffee gets made. And then the person behind me in the line steps up to the plate with this guy. It's a woman, she's carrying a, a laptop and a kind of portfolio book, and her eyes are moving around the room lots as she's there. She's, she's looking all around her. She's talking to a guy in a suit, and as she steps up to the cash register, she sends suit guy off to sit at a big table in the cafe that has a sign on it that says, closed. And the young guy on the counter, you can see his nervousness kind of go up, right? He looks over and he looks back and he kind of looks pleadingly at his manager over his shoulder. He doesn't know what to do. And the woman, she steps up and she says, hi, I'm Jill, I'm the CEO of Ceres. Welcome to the team. Could you make that table available for us? Now he doesn't really have many options in this situation, right? <laughs> She, she asks him this question, makes this request, but there's really only one way that he can respond to the CEO of Ceres in that moment. And she has the authority over him. And it's a bit like that with Jesus here, right? He comes to these disciples on the mountain and he says, I'm the king of the universe. Welcome to the team. Go and make disciples. There's really only one right way to respond to that command, isn't there? This isn't an optional command that Jesus gives to his followers. It's not a command to say no to. See, we saw last week on Easter Sunday that Jesus, he really did rise from the dead. He really is the king of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth really is his so when he says, go, we go. There's no alternative. There's no other option. But Jesus' authority, is, it's, it's more than just authority which makes us jump to it and obey, right, because of who he is. It's authority that powers us in our task. It's authority that assures us of the ultimate success of the task that we've been given. And it's authority that's not just over us who are sent, but over those who we're sent to as well. And for this task that he's giving his disciples to make disciples of all nations, we need Jesus' authority. 
as he commissions these 11 unremarkable men on a dusty hillside in backwater Galilee. Jesus' task is one that would surely be impossible if it wasn't carried out under his authority. At these 11 nobodies and a handful of other Jesus followers who are with them, he tells them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's an impossible mission for these guys, isn't it? And yet it's a mission that is coming about. From these 11 followers of Jesus, there are now billions of followers of Jesus. It's the world's largest faith. More people follow Jesus every day and every generation. But it's not, it's not a completed mission either, is it? Two-thirds of the world's population still don't know Jesus, still don't love Jesus. We still need Jesus' authority, his power to sustain us in our mission. So we go in his authority and we go because he sends us. Right? In his wisdom, in his grace, in his determination to be glorified in the heavenly realm, Christ chooses us to complete his mission. For those of us who, like me, have been around church a long time, heard these words a lot of times, it's easy for that to just kind of wash over us, right? But it's remarkable. He draws us into his universal, eternal work under no obligation to do so. It's like a father inviting his child to help him cook dinner. Right? He doesn't need the child in all likelihood, the child's going to make it more messy and more difficult. I can testify to the truth of that. Yet he still invites and supports and encourages us. God calls us to be part of his, his global, his cosmic mission to glorify Jesus in all the world. As Jesus calls us to make disciples of all nations, he's not so much meaning nations like we understand them, right? Like modern nation states like Australia or, or France or China. Rather, he means people groups. The, the word here is ethnos. Uh, it's the word that we get ethnic groups from. So he's saying, go and make disciples of all ethnic groups. This is the, the culmination of an unfolding theme through Matthew's gospel, which uh, God's promises go from being for Israel to being for the whole world. And it's difficult to capture in statistics, but by one pretty good measure, there are about 17,000 people groups in the world today. And more than 6,000 of them are unreached, which means there are so few believers there that there's no self-sustaining church indigenous to that people group. 6,000 people groups who either have no Christian community at all, or one so small and so fragile that it relies on outside influence to survive. God will call some of us here in this room to reach those people, to reach those 6,000 people groups. Some of you will go to the ends of the earth to reach them with the gospel of Jesus. 
others of us will stay here, making disciples here and sending others out. We're already at the ends of the earth, right? Melbourne is a long way from Galilee. There are plenty of people around here who don't know Jesus. And those who do go out to reach the unreached go out in a long line of gospel missionaries that goes back and back and back right to the beginning. It stretches back to to ancient monks going across the sea to unknown lands with no hope of return. Medieval traders taking the gospel along trade routes across Europe and Africa and Asia. Preachers sent to tribes who had killed all those who came before. Travelers smuggling Bibles into dark places. Now, it's, it's an unfortunate reality of history that sometimes those who came with the gospel came alongside those with other motives, came alongside those with, with guns, with power. The desire to make disciples of all nations has sometimes been entangled with a desire to make profit or to make culture. It's, it's a sometimes messy history. Here at, at Unichurch, Kamwende said to a group of us the other day that growing up in Kenya, her experience was that missionaries were weird white people who she didn't know why they were there, why her parents were friends with them, or why they always had dirty feet. <laughs> it's, it's a mixed history of missionaries going to other parts of the world, isn't it? It's, it's worth saying, though, that those stories of missionary endeavours being caught up with colonial agendas. They're challenging stories, certainly, but they're not the whole story. And indeed, there are many stories, even many, many stories here in Australia of gospel missionaries being the very ones who have restrained violent conquest and sought the genuine flourishing and gospel good of the people that they reached. See, Jesus' vision is for a truly global church, enriched by its diversity of people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue. See, see what it is that he commands here. Right? The disciples are to teach those that they reach to obey everything I have commanded you, Jesus says. Everything I have commanded you, that, that includes this very command, doesn't it? These disciple makers are to go and teach others to make disciples of others who make disciples of others. It's in that way, disciples making disciples making disciples, that the gospel reaches every corner of the earth, that every nation, every people group receives and propels the gospel with its own unique richness and tradition and expression. That's why the the 6,000 unreached people groups is such an important measure. We want every people group on the planet to have a thriving, vibrant, locally-led church with local leaders, with its unique expression of what it means to be God's people. But it's still an outrageous goal, isn't it, in our culture? In our, our multicultural, relativistic culture here in Australia, God calls us to give our lives to persuading people from other faiths to believe in Jesus. There's no hiding from that. 
We are not people who believe that all religions are equal ways to God. That there are lots of ways to connect with God, that what really matters at the end of the day is the way that you live your life. No, those, those are lies. They sound good and, and there's half-truths within them. But Jesus himself said, I am the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way for anyone to have life to the full in this life and for eternity is to know and to love Jesus. And that is just as true in Saudi Arabia or Japan as it is in Australia or anywhere. I wonder if you've seen this picture before. That policeman leaning on the rails there is Sergeant Kevin Briggs, who's been called the guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. He worked at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and his job was to talk down people trying to throw themselves off the bridge, like this guy, Kevin Berthier. On the 11th of March, 2005, Sergeant Briggs spent over an hour and a half talking Kevin back over the railing, desperately trying to persuade him that his life was worth living, desperately trying to change his mind. Here's what Kevin, the man who nearly jumped, here's what he remembers. As I stepped over the railings, I heard someone say, hey, wait a minute. I was convinced I was going to end my life. But at the last moment, his voice made me stop and grab the railings. I now know that was Officer Briggs. He snapped me back to reality. He tried to show me the important things in my life, focusing on my daughter. Hope came back. I put my arms up and he helped me up and back over the railings. That's what God sends us to do. God sends us to save souls. The stakes could not be higher. It's the gospel and the gospel alone that brings people from death to life. We must make disciples of all nations because we love them and we want them to know life. We go because God sends us. He chooses us. We are his chosen instrument to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. We're it. Right? We are God's plan A. We go because he sends us. And in his providence... In his sovereign rule over this world, God has been sending us all along. Because he sends us, the gospel was taken by the apostle Paul and by others to Rome, to the center of the great Roman Empire, from where it exploded along the Roman roads throughout the empire, taken, carried by people like you and me. Because he sends us Martin Luther's rediscovery of the biblical doctrine of grace and the reformation that he launched was made possible by the new technology of the Gutenberg printing press. For the first time, the Bible and other literature could be mass printed, no longer just written out by hand. 
and taken to the ends of the earth, carried by people like you and me. Because he sends us. Charles Spurgeon's ministry occurred at the same time that the telegraph made worldwide communication possible in a moment rather than months. His sermons were telegraphed and printed around the world. In one story, a murderer waiting to be executed in a South American prison was given a copy of a Spurgeon sermon, translated through the telegraph, carried by someone like you and me, and he got saved. Because God sends us, God raised up Billy Graham, one of history's great preachers, right as the new technology of television enabled his sermons to be preached directly into our homes. A member of Unichurch who's here tonight told me once that he got saved when, as a 13-year-old boy, he was watching TV and there was a Billy Graham sermon on. He got up to change the dial. He had to do that back in the day. Maybe you've seen that in shows. Uh, And as he walked towards the TV, Billy Graham said, stop, don't change the dial, this is for you. (laughs) He got saved that day. Because God sends us, the great British preacher John Stott, his ministry occurred at the same time as the British Empire was relinquishing power back to nations and national leaders throughout the empire. Young leaders of many of these newly independent nations came to Britain to be educated. They came to his church. They were discipled. They were raised up, sent back to their own nations as empowered gospel leaders to lead those countries and those churches. So what's God doing now? What's God doing here? Where is God sending us now how is God sending us now our city Melbourne is a highly multicultural melting pot of of people groups of ideas of worldviews countless young people come here every day every year where they build their identity they build their worldview before returning home to the ends of the earth And here at Unichurch, we have a wonderful opportunity to reach so many of these people with the gospel, to build them up, and for some to send them back out. Some of you here, that's your story, right? If you are from a a culture, if you're from an ethnos that is gospel poor, then you are in a remarkable position to obey Jesus' command to go and make disciples. If that's you, see yourself in God's plan. Get prepared. Arm yourself while you're here and then go. Go with the gospel. Sink down deep roots in the gospel now into Christian relationships, into serving God's people so that when you go, you can bear fruit for Jesus. This is, this is the big story that determines the narrative of our lives. You and I and everyone, right? We all live our life according to some script or another, some narrative, some story with its set of of values and objectives and adversaries. We all live according to a story. And our our stories, they shape the decisions that we make. They shape what we we aim ourselves towards. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then your story, 
Your narrative is to take your place in the mission of Jesus. It's to be sent. You are one of countless millions of Jesus followers across history and across the world who God sends to flood the earth with his good news. He might use you in a way that the historians write about, like Martin Luther or Billy Graham. He might use you in a much more normal way to reach those around you and to grow his kingdom. Either way, it's God's extraordinary work through each of us. This is the narrative of my life, right? God has called me and my family to equip the saints for the works of ministry here, to serve the church. I get to do that here as we reach Melbourne Uni with the gospel, as we build resilient, thriving disciples of Jesus, as we send out a generation of leaders for God's church. And maybe one day there'll be a different way that God uses me in his plan. Maybe one day he'll send us somewhere distant to some unreached people group to make disciples. I don't know. But I do know that this is the story of my life. When I look back on it at the end, I want to say I answered your call. You sent me to make disciples and I did. That's the story that God wants for all of us. Jesus sends out his disciples before ascending to be with the Father and prepare a place for them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then as these 11 men, as they look at Jesus, as they look at his scarred hands, his scarred forehead, as they look into his eyes, he says these very last words to them. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We don't go alone. You don't go alone. The one who has authority over the heavens and over earth goes with you. He is all that you need. So if you're here tonight and either you haven't done this or maybe you're just deciding to follow this Jesus, then the first step is to get baptised. It's the first response to the gospel that Jesus calls for here, right? We're baptised as a mark of our new life with Christ and our membership, our belonging to his family. So if you haven't, then get baptised. Come talk to me or, or talk to Alex, talk to someone after the service if that's you and we'd love to talk to you about what the next step would be. And after that, if you are a follower of Jesus who is baptised, maybe, maybe you feel excited about being sent out by Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Or maybe you feel nervous about it. If you're excited, if you want to play your part in God's plan, if you want to make disciples of all nations, then we want to help you discern what that might look like and what the next steps are. We want to help you prepare for that. We have lots of opportunities in the life of our community here at Uni Church to think through what it looks like for each of us to live out Jesus' command as people working careers and serving the church, 
as people who stay in Melbourne, as people who go away, or as people who are set apart to make disciples full-time here or overseas. Come chat to me, shoot me a message, talk to Fiona, talk to Alex about what a next step for you could be if you think that's where you're at. And if you feel nervous, if the idea of being sent, of going and making disciples fills you with apprehension rather than with excitement, then I hope, I pray that our passage tonight is an encouragement, a comfort for you. Jesus' commission, his sending here is surrounded by his authority and his presence. He never calls you to do anything that he doesn't rule over. He never sends you anywhere that he won't go with you. So start small. Just do something. If you're not supporting any global mission partners, start supporting one with with prayer and with financial support. If you're not sharing the gospel with anyone, just find one person to pray for to share the good news of Jesus with. If you're not serving God's church, then find one way to start serving. He sends us, and so we go, and he goes with us. I'm going to pray and thank God that he does. Pray that he would send us out. So would you pray with me? Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth is yours. Thank you that you send us. Thank you that you use us. Thank you that you invite us into your plan to make disciples of all nations. We pray, God, for each person here that you would help us to find our place in your great gospel project. Give us courage. Give us obedience. And use us to transform your world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.